guys. Welcome to Overpressed. I'm Chris. I'm Jake. And uh, we are back with our Road America update. We hope you enjoyed the uh, the Swedish switch, which we uh, <laughs> recorded earlier, and we we hope you took the time to listen to that and enjoy it. If you haven't yet, go back and check it out. It's 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 fun. Yeah, it's something I'd never heard of before. Yeah, so I was, hadn't either before. Obviously, researching it. And if you guys have any uh, input on you know some of our midweek episodes that you'd like to hear, if you have any ideas or any kind of deep stories or anything that you'd like to hear about, have us investigate a little more. By all means. Get a hold of us. And Absolutely. We'd love to. So we talked about a surprise last week. Yes. Um, I'd like to reveal what that surprise is. So what we're going to do is we have a brand new Momo prototypo steering wheel here. Um, well, not here. It's on its way here, but it might as well be here. <laughs> um, it's on the boat, as they would say. So that's uh, we're going to give that away. So what we want you guys to do is we want you to hop on iTunes, leave a nice review for us, uh, write a few words, and everybody that does that over the next month right through August... Uh, it's going to be entered into a contest, and we'll do a drawing, and you're going to win the wheel, and we'll buy you a hub. Obviously, we don't have the hub yet because we don't know who's going to win and, and what, what kind of car, car you have. To put it on. Yeah, so once uh, once we have a winner, we'll buy a hub, and you guys will be good to go. You'll have a brand-new Momo Prototipo steering wheel. So head on over to iTunes starting now. Leave us a five-star review with a little bit of words and about what you think of the podcast, and you'll be entered in. Yep, and then we will select a lucky winner at the end of August to get you that steering wheel. We need to come up with a clever name for the contest, I just realized. Momo giveaway. <sighs> it's not clever, though. <laughs> but, like, steering into Oh, God, no. Something. Let's just, we're giving away a steering wheel. Let's not do any of that. <laughs> no, no, let's not. Okay, uh, I be- guess not. Before we get into uh, some of the Road America recap stuff, one of our listeners, uh, Davis, sent in a clip that he wanted you to hear. So I want you to go ahead and play the clip. And he wanted uh, me to hear. Yeah, this is this is for your benefit. Okay, and for my my amusement. Oh, geez. All right, here we go. And uh, there was a communal terror that was roaming the streets. The flasher of Fitzpatrick Park. Now this guy would hide on Old River Road, right? And he would jump out of the bushes and dingle his very very oversized scrotum at any car that he thought had a woman in. Okay. Well, now let's just say uh, he flashed the wrong Miata that day. <laughs> so he thought you were a woman? Because you were driving a Miata. Well, no, I mean, the body style of Miata is, you know, not the most masculine, but it's very unisex. I think everybody can agree on that. You know, so I don't know why he got confused. We just told you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what is that from? It's from a TV show. Uh, let me let me pull it up. I forget what it's called. It was just a show he was watching on Netflix. And it just happened to come up where this guy's talking about some sort of like sexual predator that jumps out and waves his nuts at, at passing women. And this guy's driving his Miata and the guy jumps out of the yeah. out of the bushes and starts waving his nuts around at him because uh, he thought it would be a female driving the vehicle, which I thought was fitting because it seems like that would be something that would happen to a Miata owner. So it was, uh, what's the name of the show? It is Father of the Year on Netflix. So okay. it's, a, it's a movie called Father of the Year. So free, <laughs> free advertising for them. Good on them. They uh, leave it to pop culture to define what Miatas are all about. Yeah. Well, Being okay. haunted by sexual predators. Thank you for that, I guess. Yeah, thanks, Davis. Appreciate it. 
Um, so before we get into uh, the Road America stuff, let's talk about one of our sponsors. Yeah, these guys help us keep the show going. South Central Imports, SCI. They've been in business since 1976. They're an exclusive Volkswagen Audi shop. So they have the experience and they really have the knowledge of these cars from headlight to tailpipe, as I've said before. Yep. Bumper to bumper. They know these cars. That's why they focus on Volkswagen Audis. Been there for decades. Since 76, yeah. Chris. Yeah, decades. Yes. They also are an authorized Revo software dealer, so they can do any of your like chip tuning that you want to do. And, you know, most importantly, what sets these guys apart is just their honesty and integrity, and they're trustworthy, and they're going to get the job done. They're not going to swindle you. You're going to be able to trust that they know what they're doing, and they're going to tell you. So you can find these guys, of course, on Facebook, SCI Performance, SCI, of course, for South Central Imports, because they're in the South Central area of the Twin Cities. Yep. And their phone number, 612-722-8897. So here's a question for you. Okay. Do you think I should chip my TDI? Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Because I've got, it's the 165,000 mile warranty. You know what we should do? Is chip what? that leaf blower that you can hear. Yeah, whatever. He's fine. He just needs a little extra juice. That's, that's all good. <laughs> do, so do you think I should chip it? Because I've got a 165,000-mile, 13-year warranty on the turbo, Okay. The, the fuel system, and all the EPA stuff. Right. Plus the, plus the remainder of my 30,000-mile certified warranty, Okay. which would last me probably about a year and a half to two years. So what's what does that have to do with chipping it? I would potentially lose all of my warranty. Yeah, I think that's stupid. However... I would get better fuel economy and gain probably 40 horsepower and almost 100 foot-pounds of torque. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Nah, leave yeah. it? I'd say leave it. You already ruined it with that suspension. I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was talking. Actually, I was actually talking to Chad. I think we're going to uh, pull the wheels off and look at the part numbers on the spring. <laughs> there the you go. <laughs> and call up H&R and be like, what are these for? Like a van? Yeah, What's it's probably the, for the Tiguan. It's got to be. It's got. It's. Ugh, it's unruly. So, yeah, to, to reiterate, you put coilovers yeah. that you bought secondhand on the new Golf or new to you Golf, yep. and it just, it's way too it is, hard riding. It is 100% 10 out of 10 lumber wagon. Lumber wagon. That's yeah. right. We talked about this. You got like rocks or you've picked up flagstone or something. I did. I picked up a bunch it. of flagstone for the yard for it. Yeah. yeah. And so you, I was following you from lunch to the studio and you did like a super hard right-hand turn and yeah. I could see, you know, the, the thing just isn't moving. Like no, it, it, it just like... It corners whoop. on rails because yeah. you don't need anti-roll when it just doesn't move. Right. And I shared with you, it reminded me of uh, Colin Chapman, the... Uh, the inventor or the start, the guy who basically founded Lotus had a famous saying that said, no matter how shitty a suspension is, you can still make it work reasonably well by just making it not move. <laughs> <laughs> by making it not be suspension. Right, exactly. Yeah, just weld it all completely Which is basically solid. what you did to your golf. Yeah, essentially. I think it's the rears that are the problem. I really do. I think the rears are what's too stiff. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, so we went to Road America, albeit separately. Um, so my drive was my drive was pretty uneventful. I mean, I, I didn't even really think about it. So we, we we each took nine elevens. Yep. So you went on Friday. I went on Thursday. Correct. And I was thinking about it. Like I've driven my car so much that I didn't even think about it. Yeah. I didn't bring tools. It's just sure. you know, I just got in the car and drove to Road America. For you, it must have been a must have been a, a different experience. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, so I... Because this even, is your first trip beyond, exactly. beyond around the city in your car. Right, and I it's a five, five-and-a-half-hour trip, and I... Did it actually take you five-and-a-half hours, or did you... Uh, 
Mm, it took me five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, could have been that much bad things that happened then. No, actually, maybe we stopped a couple of times, so I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I text you even before leaving. I was like, hey, this is what I, I'm planning on bringing with. What else should I bring? So I had, like, I, luckily the guy gave me a, a space saver to spare. Yep. And so I also threw in, like, one of those cigarette lighter inflators. The air, the air, air pump. pump yep, yep. Air compressor. Um, and then, of course, I had the lug wrench and a bottle jack because i don't have like the jack that goes with the car either okay so i was like well i'll just throw the bottle jack in and then i, I think i told you i'm like yeah there's really nothing you can actually bring i know that would I mean, it's it's just i mean you so, can bring some spare tools but i know i'm thinking so if i got a flat i could theoretically fix that and go to like a tire shop or something yeah right although i thought so when i was i've been working on like the e-brake and just everything in the <laughs> long story short the guy the car wasn't well cared for i don't think because point in fact is the e-brake didn't work and so i've I was heard, like, it, I've oh. heard he's a, he was a really nice guy from the per, the people i've talked to that know of the car uh-huh. and i've talked to a couple of people that have worked on the car uh-huh. and they said the guy was really nice you're smiling oh, yeah that's yeah, that's that's the okay that's the description the guy was really it's always like He's really nice. That was kind of how it came out. So for whatever that is worth. But no, I had to laugh because so I'm like tearing apart the rear um, brake assembly, trying to figure out why it's not the e-brake isn't working. And I can like adjust the brake shoes in the thing with the little like star wheel. And you put your uh, what is that tool called? A wrench. I was going to say a screwdriver, but yep, screwdriver in there to turn it. And so like it works. I can make it where it doesn't move the hub. But then I realized that the cable is supposed to be on a bracket so it can actually pull against it. Yeah. And the bracket broke, so they just zip-tied the cable there. <laughs> and it's, that's not just that's not, not working. Just that's not enough not to working. make it happen. So is it just sliding inside the, where, the, where it's zip-tied? Yeah. So it has, it basically can't pull. It doesn't pull. Yeah. yeah. So zip-ties I aren't enough to overcome the spring in the... For that. So basically, I didn't have an e-brake, but that kind of goes to show just kind of the weird stuff that has been done to the car. Right. And I don't remember where I was going. Oh! Oh, I know where I was going with that. So as I was taking off the wheels and going through stuff, I look at the front and they all have these weird lugs. They're a, a shoulder shank lug nut okay. because these old mag wheels, they don't have like a, what you'd think like a taper for your lug nut to go into. Okay. It's basically just a flat surface and yep. then a hole. So your lug nut centers the wheel. Yep. Right. And so they have all these weird mag shank, mag shank, that's the name of mag shank lugs, except in the front one was missing. So they just put a random lug nut on it. Oh, good. And it's a different size. And oh, no. all of the four ends of like my crossbar lug wrench, none of them would fit on that even. So oh, boy. I didn't realize that till after I got back. So it's like if that wheel would have gone off, it would have had no way to really change it. Basically, I feel bad that I, I'm not able to let you use my cookie cutters. You don't have to feel bad about that. No, I but I wanted to be able to give them to you. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, I haven't even gone to pick my wheels up from Twin Cities Wheel. Twin City Wheel. Did I ever tell tell everyone that they can't be restored? You, I think, mentioned. I don't know if you mentioned on the podcast, but basically, you wanted to have these refinished. Yeah, I wanted some... to get them all get them all dialed in. I dropped them off at uh, the local wheel place, mm-hmm. and because they're a machine finish, and I want the machine finish, the guy said he can't do it because of the bend that's in one. Sure, the run out, which is like the wobble. Yeah, you know, like it won't. He won't be able to get it machined properly. Right. So I called up uh, a couple other wheel guys, and I'm going to send them out of state. So I'm going to just send the one sure. to... I can either go to uh, a guy that I heard of in Detroit, or I can go to basically Mac Daddy, uh, Porsche wheel guy, Harvey Weidman, out in California, who does Weidman wheels, who's really, really, really good. 
And he's like, well, how much are these wheels worth to you? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I could spend like a thousand bucks. He's like, yeah, that's probably going to be a little bit light. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, just to get them like how they're supposed Remember to be. Remember when you had these wheels and then sold them? I do. But here's <laughs> the thing is they still needed to be refinished. Refinished. Okay. But they weren't fucked up like these ones are. Yeah. So, because I ordered my wheels from 1552, but the lead time on those are like 10, 12 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a while. So, I won't have those until the end of summer. Right. But anyways, um, so on the road out to Road America, there were a couple uh, adventures along the way. So, I, I'm i trying to think if there was anything else I brought with to try to be prepared. Well, like, you bought some new stupid wipers to put on there. That That's something that right. you had. Oh, yeah. So, the wipers, uh, like I saw the forecast, it's going to rain. Yep. We knew that ahead of time. And, and, so you pr- and you proceeded to buy the Bosch Icon wipers, which are for brand new cars, yeah. and throw it on your 48-year-old 911. It was the, so, I had to get new wipers because the old ones like literally didn't have a blade left on them. Right. And so, I went to like a couple different parts stores. They're 13-inch wipers and the only 13 inch they had in stock were exactly you knew your wipers bosch icons which is like they don't have the kind of like frame to them it's just the single yeah they're blade it looks ridiculous i think they look kind of cool no they don't they look like they belong in a brand new car you need the you need the standard like a frame style i'm sure i'll get that as one of my uh friends i because you like gave me some shit on an instagram post yeah and my friend goes oh i i see you didn't go with the uh chris approved modification or something to that effect <laughs> i thought that yeah, was the, funny the, the chris approved wiper yes. yeah it's it's definitely not it's also not the entire porsche community approved wiper either so okay yeah, yeah. so well, we'll have to work on that i didn't know you were a purist now all of a sudden and so now we, i saw what i commented on was basically a picture of your wiper missing your right. so, <laughs> so, so what i what i had said is that the the wiper uh has has rejected yep. operating <laughs> so yeah on my instagram if you go there's a video we're in the middle of wisconsin it's raining so i have the wipers on and the right side the passenger side wiper it's like in full extension so it's all the way up and then it doesn't come back it just stays it just there. there it just it just stripped out <laughs> it was in it full revolt the lug yeah yep. so i ended up at the gas station just removing it so it's not sitting there not moving right um, so that happened, which wasn't a big deal because I still had the, pe- the driver's side. And then we, we finally get out to road America or, uh, Elkhart Lake Plymouth area where yep. we were staying and which we, consequently was not at the track, not at the track. Nope. It was very nice. We had a nice warm shower and everything else while you were sitting in the rain, cold, it soaked, was, spider it, filled. Oh my God. Tent. Yes. I had, uh, I set up my tent <laughs> and then left the door to the tent open. So I went in there to sleep that night and it was filled with spiders. <laughs> it was awful. I think I threw 15 and I didn't kill any of them cause I'm nice. So I just 15 spiders by their little daddy long legs. I just started chucking them out the door. Could be like a little protein snack for you at night. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was at some point. I probably didn't get them all. Yeah. So anyway, so we get up uh, Saturday morning fairly early. We go to the um, the Piggly, Piggly Wiggly grocery store. I've never been to an actual Piggly Wiggly grocery well, store. I'm glad all your dreams have come true they, on this trip. I, yep. I definitely crossed that one off my list because we want to just grab like some snacks and whatever so we're not spending $15 for a pop out at the track. Right. So my wife... It's not that expensive. I know it's not Rural actually. America's pretty is pretty good. Yeah, it is actually. Um, but my wife's like, oh, well, we got like our computer and stuff in the car. So like you should lock the car. Normally I never would. I was like, I wasn't going to fight her and be like, no, we don't have to because I knew if I did that, someone would steal something out of the car. Yeah, inevitably. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll just lock it. And it was funny because I'm even like, 
I realized because I hadn't locked the car that much before that it's one of those old school where you have to. So if you lock it with the knob inside the car and shut the door, it actually won't lock. It'll shoot it back up as the door latches. Do you know this? Yes. So you have to basically hold the door handle open to shut it. Typically. Yeah. And so I I showed Nikki. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I didn't realize I had this because I didn't know if she had seen that before. Yeah. It just seems like something that's really important to demonstrate for your wife. I'm sure she was. I'm sure she was super pumped. But it's just funny that I went to this like all this effort basically to show her that. And then we're walking away from the car. She's like, I wonder if I locked my side. And I was like, I'll go run back and look. It wasn't locked. So then I locked it and I shut it. Go into the Piggly Wiggly, get our snacks, come back out. I'm trying to find my keys, you know, checking all my pockets. I look in the window, the keys in the ignition. Yeah. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Nice. And I call you. I was like, uh, any any tricks and on how to get like, in this car? I was like, nope, sorry, good luck. Yeah, because there's really there I mean, isn't. There, there's nothing. No, you probably thought I was being like short with you, but I'm like, yeah, sorry, there isn't anything. <laughs> so we called Gary. I just googled like locksmith. Gary the locksmith. Gary the locksmith. He was the first one I called. He's like, where are you at? Uh huh. Piggly Wiggly. Okay, I'll be there in ten minutes. I was like, how much? Well, I'm coming out there. It'll be seventy bucks. Okay, Great. sounds that's, reasonable. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Problem is, Gary hadn't ever worked on a 9-11. Well, I would think that most people probably haven't at this point. No, but it also went to show like how secure and well-engineered that car is, because it was virtually impossible to break into. Well, th- well, to be fair, without fucking your car up. Right. Most thieves aren't going to be like, well, I don't want to screw up this guy's <laughs> car. I better try and like... No, they're just going to smash the hell out of your window. Yeah, so, I mean, he tried like the the Slim Jim, you know, where you put it in between the window yeah, and like, he couldn't work. grab that because the lock mechanism doesn't work there. And then he had this cool like bladder thing where you you wedged in between the door, inflate it, so it kind of tweaks your door yeah, a little bit. I would never use... Don't use that. Don't let them use that ever again. No, I wasn't planning on it, but yeah. my doors need to be aligned anyways, <laughs> so I wasn't worried about it. Maybe it would actually it. help. Hey, can yeah. I keep that? Yeah, exactly. So, um... Long story short, after like an hour, I was ready to be like, you know what? I, I Googled how much windows were. Like I was pricing out windows for which window I was going to smash. Oh, God. Yep. And he's like, I was like, well, Gary, now what? And he's like, well, I got a sledgehammer. I didn't know he was joking, but I was kind of like, well, it might come to that. And he had. So like, you're going to pay $70 to have another guy swing a sledgehammer yeah, through your window. Basically. <laughs> um, and no. So he had a lock pick set, too. But it's harder to pick automotive door locks because they have the little like window that comes down over the lock yeah, mechanism water and yeah out, yeah and so he was futzing with that he's like gosh this just this isn't working and so he's he's futzing with that for a while and then he goes over to the passenger door he's like maybe i'll have more luck on this side picking it and just out of i don't know even why i did it just sheer hope i just grabbed the door and tried to open it again and, it and he had like nudged it just enough it didn't like completely unlock it but it was enough where the handle grabbed it and as i grabbed it it unlocked oh geez yeah so how long did this pull process take an hour and a half an hour and a half about yeah okay and so but anyways gary was super pumped you know he didn't have to break a window and he to his defense he goes i was joking about that i would have been here out here all night because it's the challenge for me oh so he's like i wouldn't have done that <laughs> well, that's good. I guess. <laughs> that's, well, yeah, it's easy for him to say that after he got it yeah, open. Exactly. Um, so when when I got there, yeah, the uh, I pulled up and Alex and I we missed the media credential uh, window to to get in to get our media credentials. So we went to this other spot. And the lady didn't have our media credentials, and we're like, we we definitely are. We definitely have them. She's right. like, well, I've got the list right here, and she was super insistent that we weren't on the media list. I said, what about this list over here that I can see? She's like, well, you're not on the list. I'm like. 
can you please check that list? Sure enough, I was on the list. <laughs> so we got our camping. Uh, we already had my camping spot, but she made me buy a camping wristband, even though I have an all-access media credential pass, which was oh, kind geez. of like, come on. She was like totally pulling the the power trip thing yeah. on me. So then we go, uh, dr- drive over to where our camping spot is and we're driving all over the place. Can't find it. Can't find it. They have like these little white things stuck in the dirt that you can't read from your car. Okay. So you have to like get out of the car, look at these things, get back in the car, drive to the spot, get out and look. Right. It's not like it's like on a little sign like you think it would be. So finally I find the spot like 1328 or whatever it is. And there's a giant RV there with a race car <laughs> under it. And the guy's like, well, I don't know what you mean. This is where we are every year. And I'm like, well, here, this is my thing. It says this. He's like, well, they should not have let you reserve this spot. And I'm like, dude, it's well, not- I'm like, this is my spot. He's like, well, I've got everything here and I'm not going to move. Really? Yeah. And there was all kinds of like race cars. He's like, well, this is the race car camping. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no. I mean, Yeah. Because your race car is here means it's race car camping, but this is actually my spot. He's like, well, I don't want to move. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to you know, worry about it too much or whatever. Right. So we get back in the car, drive up another 100 yards and uh, maybe 50 yards. And uh, Colin Comer, who is one of the editors for Haggerty mm. magazine, he's like, oh, hey, Chris, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, this dude took my camping spot. He's like, you want me to you want me to go yell at him for you? I'm like, no, 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 no. He's like, <laughs> he's like, well, let me see if I got another spot back here behind my buddy. So we kind of turned down this little road. Yeah. And there was a spot that we ended up camping in. I was on an incline. So we were mm. like it's constantly sleeping like it just slightly off kilter, (laughs) which makes you feel like you're going to fall out of the bed all the time. (laughs) It was honestly, as as much as I've harped on you about camping, this was one of the worst camping (laughs) weekends I have ever experienced. Thank you. I feel vindicated a little bit. It was so damp. And it didn't rain rain much during the day, but at night it rained. But it never got less humid. So I'm like, anytime you would lay on your pillow, it would be fine. But your body would raise the dew point. (laughs) <laughs> so like everything would be fine until you touched it for more than like 10 seconds yeah. and then it would just get like kind of damp and wet but you know you just kind of sleep and yeah. deal with it like, you, you said it didn't rain much saturday afternoon was it like did a rain deluge. a lot it did but I, w- I was there from thursday so i was right. there a lot longer than you, you so i no, had thursday right. friday most of saturday with no rain but you were when you were saying it was on an incline i was expecting like your whole campsite to wash away in the flood no 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 i'm not <laughs> i'm not stupid i also have a good tent so i could yeah. my tent can sit in a couple inches of water and oh not, really yeah and not be a not be wet it's, so that's it's, cool you gotta buy a good tent when you go camping that's one of the best things about camping is getting the gear and getting like the good shit and the good sleeping bags and the tents and like it's just like geeking out over anything else you know, i had a nice cars, mini tools. bar i had a nice soft sheets i had, I had a soft hot sleeping shower bag. And you also missed us most of the time because you locked your keys in your car at your hotel, which was some sort of like worldwide karma for you not camping with us in the first place. So here's but here's the deal. We wake up to Good Morning Road America. Our first con- people out on track are, and they come out and they race on the track and you wake up and it's the sound of the engines and you're at the track. That is and, cool. And you get up and you, if you get up early enough, which I didn't this time because we were up super late every night, hanging out, having fun, <laughs> and sitting under our little shelter that we had. We bought like a little like easy up style thing sure, and sat yeah. under there. And I bought a I bought a what like a, a cot to okay. put inside my tent. I get up, I set it next to my tent, which is like a it's like a North oh, no. Face backpacking tent. It's like doesn't fit, doesn't fit. So it ended up becoming our couch <laughs> sure. underneath okay, the thing. That's so cool. we hung out under there. But you wake up if you wake up early enough, you can go walk the paddock alone. Sure. And all the cars are under their covers, and it's just kind of like 
really quiet and you can you can feel you can feel the track wake up almost like it's a living thing yeah like it slowly starts moving all on its own almost like like the downtown of a city does it just kind of like brightens up and things start to happen and it's, it's a really really cool experience that you you really gotta you gotta experience it to understand what i'm saying but it's really really nice and waking up depends on what cars run first too sure sometimes you get some cars like and you're like oh god please no <laughs> but a lot of times you'll get like some you know some uh old uh trans am cars racing first it was some that big was the coolest. flying back yeah and you just wake up to that and it's and it's and it's amazing what time do they start the first like heat or you are probably up the guy probably announces that shit's going on because he has to give a warning to hey you got to be on the false grid which is the which is kind of like the pre-staging next to the track. You got to be there like fifteen to twenty minutes beforehand. Okay, so you're you're usually up about seven thirty. Okay, so you wake up at about seven thirty. And the thing is, is you kind of like you wake up to the guy going good morning, and then you <laughs> fall back asleep, and then you wake up to the cars on the track, and you're yeah. kind of just you kind of just listening to them, and you kind of like drift back off, and then you wake up when the guy makes the announcement for like the second thing. So you can kind of like drift in and out of sleep till like nine o'clock, right? Listening to these race cars and stuff like that, which is which is really fun. So. Yeah, no, next year I'll definitely camp with you and the guys. Um, and, and we talked about this before, but it was kind of like I knew I was going to this and my wife was like, that sounds really cool. I want to go with you. And it became like a weekend getaway thing for us. So yeah. it was good. It was and a I getaway for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> basically. basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to do some podcast stuff. And But the thing is, is that the a lot of the cars, when we would have had a chance to do it, yeah. were covered up from the rain because it was I raining know. Saturday and there was nobody anywhere. It yeah. was like a ghost land there was it nothing turn into a ghost so town. for your first experience at road america i have to say of all the times that i've been there this was the worst the vintage racing has yeah. ever been in terms of um just the volume of cars and the and the cars that were out there all the cars that were there were the same cars that i kind of see every year sure there were some exceptions to that like my favorite car that was there which we'll talk about later yep. but for the most part a lot of them were the same people that you see every time um usually there's kind of like a, a cycle of people that come to this event and maybe next year they go to road atlanta and then maybe the next year they go to the rolex historic I gotcha. but this time it was just really really drab and i think it's because the weather outlook looks so terrible. yeah we basically knew ahead of time it's going to be raining yeah we did which yeah. was too bad yeah but that did make it fun so this was kind of my first time with a 911 out there with a sports car and so you can pay to do what they call a track tour so and before you do that i really want to know how you felt about the road trip did you enjoy oh, okay did you I, enjoy driving the car what was it like yep, i mean i loved it it was it was loud yes and it was hot really why was it hot i mean i had my drive down was great and you didn't the, get there till eight. What are you talking about? It should the, been... I don't know. For some reason, just the airflow in that car, like because on early 911s, there's no dash vents. Like there's no airflow unless you have the windows down. Just turn the fan on. It pulls fresh air and blows all over your legs. Yeah, mine doesn't work. Your fan doesn't work? No. Oh, okay. You know what it, I also <laughs> discovered? So the fan itself doesn't work like the slider, but then there's like an extra knob on the dash that like kind of looks factory i couldn't tell at first and i turn it on and you know what it is the what? guy added so on your boat you know of the blower motors the exhaust blowers yeah the fresh air blowers he put two of those in line with the air intakes no way and added the knobs we turn it on it's oh so it's off so it's, it's like little four awful. inch like two inch fans or something yes. like that so it doesn't oh, move any air did you open your rear vent windows no. Well, I should have done <laughs> Boy, that. Boy, the airflow on this thing was really tough. It was <laughs> really I hot in there. I but I didn't roll my up. windows down. <laughs> so, no, I, I actually was, had my windows up the whole, tri- the I, whole drive. Yeah. I had them cracked, basically. Yeah. Um, because then it was really nice. I was able to 
like we had headphones in and we're listening to an audiobook the whole way out there. And it is funny how time can just fly. Like five hours in the car didn't yeah. seem bad. Was at it all. bad? Cool. It I'm was glad, really good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. So as I was gonna say though, um, I I paid to do this track tour. So it's not like an open track event or anything like that. It's basically they have a pace car and they kind of tour you around the track. I've never done this because I ref- I refuse to drive like a toad right. around the it, whole track. It seemed lame, and I knew when I was buying it that that's what this was, but at the same time, I have to say it was much more fun than I How thought much, it was going to be. It sucked up a lot of your day. I mean, it seemed like I saw you like coming in for it. It's and because I it was took hang- forever. They like staged us all, and then it was a good like 45 minutes yeah, before they let gone, us out. You were like, this was like an hour and a half, two hour thing. Yeah, basically. and I didn't forever. expect that either because, you know, I wasn't going to like, when they had us staged up there, I didn't know if it was going to be five minutes or 45 minutes like it was. So otherwise, I would have walked out and hung out with you guys because there was a little Porsche corral there yeah. as well. But anyway, so finally we get out there and there's a pace car and they tell you the max speed limit is 60 miles an hour. Like, right. And if you pass the pace car, we're just going to bring everyone back in and then everyone's going to hate you because you were the guy that effed Passed it all up. Yep. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And it actually was more fun than I thought. What was in front of you? Right in front of me was a Fiat 500 Abarth. Okay. So, I mean, still decent because my car's slow. Right? Yeah, I remember some of the guys were like, hey, there's Jake. That thing sounds sweet. Oh, wait. The RPMs aren't really changing. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun because I had really old crappy tires on it. It was a Damn. slick track. Yep. And in the corners, I mean, 60 miles an hour is like pushing it through a corner. Yeah. So did you try lifting on purpose to see? No, what I do? didn't. Ah, oh, you should have. I should have. I didn't. Have, Maybe, you do, have you done that at all yet? Been like kind of a hardcore and then just lift your foot off no, the I gas haven't. hard? I haven't actually. You should do that. Okay. Okay, I'll yeah. do that somewhere where I won't slide into a gravel pit. And yeah. everyone it's not will as laugh bad as you think it is. It's not as bad okay. as you think it is. But yeah, I did that. It was fun. Um, like you said, it, it sounded like it was going to be kind of lame being just literally like a single file follow the leader tour. Yeah, it speeds up pretty good. It as does time goes speed on. up yeah. because people space it out. They'll go slow in the straights so that, that they can, you know, kind of really push it in a corner and everything yep. else. So it was fun. It was really good. Um, so I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about maybe a little history of the, the road America thing. And it's called, so the entire name of the event yep. is <laughs> very long. It used to be the Hawk with Brian Redman. Yeah. Now it's the weather tech international challenge with Brian Redman presented by Hawk <laughs> Hawk racing pads or whatever. Hawk brake pads. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's like, geez, what, what a mouthful. It really is. But I'm sure um, a lot of our listeners may not know who Brian Redman is. I'm going to go a step further for people who aren't in the Midwest. First of all, what is road America? Road America is in it's a it's a racetrack that was kind of conceived in the 50s. And what was going on is uh, in the early days, there was a, a racetrack on the streets outside of Road America. Did you see the little signs as you were driving? I didn't around? see the signs, but I saw when we were at a restaurant or whatever, they had like old pictures of it. Right. And everything so else. basically what it was, it was road racing on the roads yep, and people right in were town. right in. You drive right through downtown Elkhart Lake, like right through downtown. And it's uh, this whole area is uh I don't know if you know what Kettle Moraine is or a Kettle and a Moraine. No. no. Okay, so Kettle Moraine is like a geological formation. It's, it's where the glaciers came and carved out the earth. So okay. the glacier came through during the Ice Age and like 
just destroyed the land, right? right. And made. It, did you notice that it was a lot of like? Yeah, no. Ups there's and elevation. Downs. It's yeah, hilly. Lots of elevation. So Road America is actually all natural elevation that yeah. track. But anyway, so it's it's a great area to drive around on. So these guys were like getting together and racing mm-hmm. and dying a lot. <laughs> so it was really really dangerous. So the basically the the mayor of Elkhart Lake said, hey, we got to build a racetrack. So then sure. they ended up building a racetrack, which is now what is called Road America. And it's been around forever. You know, it's a really one of the older tracks in the in the country, not in the hemisphere. <laughs> um, it's one of the older tracks in the country. And uh, it's all, like I said, it's all natural elevation and it's old. So all the trees are really mature yeah. and is absolutely beautiful. It's probably the prettiest track. It, I can't think of any track that is prettier than this. Yo. I mean, I haven't been to Europe to like spa or something. I'm sure right. spa looks great. But I'll say maybe in the country. In the country, yeah, it probably is. It's it's so all the elevation is is serious. There's some serious elevation changes. Yeah. It doesn't come across if you're doing it on Forza or something. No. I mean, it, it there is a lot. Even the carousel when you drive it on Xbox or something doesn't feel like it. Looks it looks flat. But, but it's not flat. It's downhill. The yep. carousel's downhill and it goes into Canada Corner. Yep. Um and Thunder Alley, which there's cool names for all the it corners, is really cool. which is the lowest part of the track. Yep. And uh, yeah, so that's Road America. It's a great track. I mean, it's most famous, I think, for um, some of the old Trans Am and Can Am okay. racing that used to go on there. So there's some, a lot of Can Am stuff. The Can Am guys bring it hard every year mm-hmm. to Road America, which is all the big, uh, the big block and small block V8. Um, right. Cars with the huge wings on the back. Like and it muscle was, cars, basically. They were road racing. N- no, Can-Am is the Canadian-American race series. Oh, they're the uh, like the prototype cars. Yeah. So basically, I gotcha. um, The formula-type cars. It was, no, it was run what you brung. Gotcha. Right? So, I mean, it was kind of like the Group B of road racing, if you want to think back of it in, in that sure. way. So it was like, run what you, br- uh, run what you brung, right? Mm-hmm. And then the thing is, is that the, the 917 Porsche came with it and ruined Can-Am. So it just cleaned it up. It just cleaned up so hard. It won like six out of eight races the year that it was there, I think. Yep. So there was and basically it just, no competition. There was no competition. And the next year they changed the rules, sure. which basically made that car obsolete. And then there was a bunch of rules and it just all kind of went downhill from there. But at one point it was like huge horsepower, big block engine, 650, 750 horsepower, naturally aspirated, mm-hmm. you know, McLaren and Lola and, and Porsche. I mean, it was really, really cool. And some of the cars that you see there, like the, the, the shadow um, I don't, what is, did you see like the all black car yep. with the huge wing and they're black with black wheels and it's got black <laughs> velocity stacks sticking out of the engine and everything's just black and it looks like it's just going to murder you sitting there, uh, is, is really cool. And they're just loud and savage and they have super these, loud. They have these little wheels in the front and these huge wheels in the back. I love that. And one thing that I always wonder about these cars is how savage they were back then. Now they're on modern tires. Oh, good point. So they actually have grip now, where yeah. they where they probably had to like kind of maybe take it easy. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of mechanical grip on those tires. Yeah. That there wasn't before. And one of the cool things which you missed, which I'm so sad that you missed, was on Friday nights. Yeah. They do oh, a yeah. race car concours where they drive the tr- these cars, yep. Canon cars, everything, down the streets, probably. I don't know, four six miles yep. through public roads. Yep. And they bring them into town in Elkhart Lake. And everybody just stands in the cars. I mean, the, the the cacophony of these cars driving through the city yep, is through little in, downtown, through little downtown Elkhart Lake, which has a population of like six or six to nine hundred people somewhere in there. Okay. There's nobody lives there. Yeah, but all these things come on the, on and just basically trample the city, right? Yeah. But oh, it's just amazing all the sounds of these cars coming into the city. It's like one after the other, just whoa, whoa, whoa. 
and everybody's lined up on the streets. It's it's super that is un- awesome. Super seems super unsafe. <laughs> and uh, when they leave, everybody they kind of like get on it on their way out. Oh, really? Stuff like that. A couple years ago, an old McLaren that's worth a K&M car that's worth millions of dollars crashed on the way there. <laughs> just like put it in the ditch and just fucked it up. Ouch. So uh, driving these, you know, it's road roads with. Yeah, slicks, and so it's not always the proper environment for those cars. Exactly, that's one of the things that makes it so exciting. But then it's um, hundreds, thousands of people converge on these yeah. main streets to look at all these cars, and you can't even get a look at them, but you can kind of get up and see, and you can walk up and you can you can touch them, which you can also do in the paddock, right? You can just sure. walk right walk right up to the cars. But there's something about seeing them out on the public roads. Oh, absolutely, that's that's really really special. Yeah, and uh, they do a show car thing on. Uh, Saturday, Saturday night, night, which yep. is cool too, which is all kinds of rare. Um, I don't want to say exotic in terms of like, you know, Ferrari. No, Enzo. it's, I mean, it's a concourse show and it's, there's, I mean, there's a huge myriad of cars. It's really oh, yeah. eclectic. I mean, there's everything from, I, I don't even want to say it cause it was the dumbest car there, but a, an automatic Mazda speed three, but, yeah. it, but it was like perfect. Like, right. It's so weird, but it was like it was in perfect condition. But there was also like a an Aston Martin Zagato. Yep. There was like a bunch of Porsches. There was this there was this Ferrari. I kind of want to talk about this guy a little bit because I think he sucks. But this <laughs> this Ferrari guy that you met. Yeah. I got to talking with him. Tell tell kind of like what the story is with this guy. So yeah, I I, I looked, it's uh probably fifty. This is gonna be full fuck it on news. I basically I, I did a bunch of news for today that we're not even gonna I know, we're already I think we, should, we can just do it anyway, and if anybody wants to turn us off because they're tired of it, they can. Otherwise, <laughs> or we're we gonna split it. Yeah, fuck it. Let's All just right. do it. Um, so yeah, there was this guy. I, I saw like a '50s Ferrari. Of course, it's red, and it was an open. Top. It looked like an old Testarossa style thing. You yeah, know, kind no. of curvy. Not Testarossa like the new Testarossa. Okay, like old Testarossa. I guess they're really know what curvy that is. fenders. Oh yeah, super curvy '50s, early '50s styling, and it had no top to it, just the little visors in front, and it was clearly like a race car yeah it looks just like you know i'm not a huge ferrari guy but no. it, it, you could tell it was like the ferrari testarossa style from like the 60s yep you it know? had a presence to it and so i i see this guy that looks like anthony hopkins he yeah and he had like the really trendy like small round sunglasses on no, no, and it no, wasn't sunny spectacles spectacles thank yeah. you chris thank yeah. you and he had uh, a hat pulled down really far and like just kind of a i don't know what he was going for but he was obviously the owner he was british he was british too he had an accent and everyone was like you could tell it was his car and so i go up it's like beautiful car can you tell me about it or i started asking questions and it turns out that it's not an original ferrari or it's not how did he say it it's not a ferrari and he wanted to be clear that per he, se per se yes and he wanted to be clear that he wasn't misrepresenting it so what happened back in the day is all these factory ferrari workers would take parts and go home and build basically a ferrari with real ferrari parts right but it wasn't built in the ferrari factory so it's not a ferrari so you told me this story i'm like wow this guy's some he's some british dude looks like anthony hopkins he's got a british accent he's got this cool car that he found i'm like this would be a great story for overcrest right go talk to that guy yeah and this dude, I, I basically told you no. Yeah. And then I asked him again. I basically said, why? Yep. And he goes, well, it's a really, it could be a really valuable car. And I don't want some, basically, I don't want some oil sheet to find out where it is and come murder me or whatever it was. It was some bullshit excuse. <laughs> and it was so <laughs> lame. 
Yeah, but whatever. I, I come on. As I that said, guy sucks. Yeah, respect his his. The car is out in public. He's standing there in public. They could assassinate the guy right there on the streets of Elkhart Lake if they wanted to steal the car. Yeah, nobody's no, gonna steal your car. He didn't want it broadcasted, I guess, because he said in Elkhart Lake, he's like, I know the environment and everything else. And he's like, and it's kind of anonymous. Said, no one knows what this car's worth. So I even said, let's keep it completely anonymous. We yeah, won't talk about where it is. Have it. He wasn't going to have it. No, I know. But he liked to talk about the car. So yes, it was, he did. It was, it was weird. I don't like that guy. <laughs> I don't I like that tell. guy. Yeah. But yeah, very cool car. There was also. Some, I only don't like him because he wouldn't engage. I know you don't. <laughs> but he, he is. It, the reason you're upset is because he seemed like such an interesting guy. He did. And he had other Ferraris in his collection he was telling me about. Yeah. And he like sold one for millions and then picked this one up. It was like a barn find basically in I just Italy I don't and, I don't like people that keep their stories so close to the vest. Yeah. Share. Share with people. Share with the culture. I thought share you were with, gonna like share like Sonny and share for some reason. You're like, no share. Let's talk about share. No, 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 no. <laughs> just share with the community. Share what you have. Share like people. I don't want to say they deserve that story, but even as we were walking the way, the guy's like, well, someone else will be driving this after I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, exactly. So let's share this story with people. Let's get this out there. Let's keep the culture alive. Let's keep things on fire here. You know, the entire reason you brought this car out can't entirely be about your ego, can it? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so WeatherTech International Challenge with Brian Redman presented by Hawk. Right. Um, so Brian Redman is... Uh, He's an old Formula One Le Mans Can-Am uh, driver. He was really successful. He didn't win in Formula One, but he did win a lot of other places. I don't want to go through the litany of of what it was, but he he was known for he was a pretty ballsy driver, okay. and, he, and he crashed multiple times. And what era was this? This is like sixties, seventies. Okay. Um, and he's he's getting up there. He's kind of old now, but he kind of you can see him around the track. I remember one time I went. Um, to pick up my media credentials and I was standing, but I was at the main office and I was standing at the desk waiting for somebody and he walked right up and stood next to me mm. and was just talking to the lady there and I was just like, <laughs> I mean, I Your was like, name is on the event. <laughs> well, I, with, even without that, I know who he is and I was yeah. a little, I was, I was starstruck, okay. which I don't get starstruck very easy anymore and, but that was only by me, only by you. That's right. Only when you do the Troy McClure voice. <laughs> Um, so I have like a little bit, there's some quotes I have by Brian Redman that I want to read that'll kind of give you kind of a, cause why would you name the vintage race one of the coolest tracks in America after this guy? So sure. I want to kind of give a, a perspective on that. Um, so quote, almost every year that I went to spa the night before the race, Saturday night, I'd lie in bed with per- perspiration running down my head and thinking I'll be dead tomorrow. So that gives you a perspective of, I think like one out of every three drivers yeah. in his era died. Wow. So he lost a lot of friends. So he's every race. He's like, I'm going to die. I could mm-hmm. die tomorrow. Um, at the beginning of his career, he was paid $60 a week. <laughs> Later, he'd get $1,000 per race or $10,000 a year. It wasn't the money, he said. It was the fact that it's all I knew what to do. So he actually went to school for um, catering. Okay. And, but didn't work out. Apparently, he just wasn't, he wasn't cut out for that. He was cut out to be a uh, catering to be a, didn't cater to him. No, it didn't. No, it did not. Um, so he raced a, one of his bigger crashes was a, a 908 at the Targa Florio. Um, he says, the day before the Targa Florio, my co-driver, Joe Seifert, crashed the car. Now, a 908 is a Porsche. So yep. it's kind of like, it looks like a, almost like a mini 917, but it's open cockpit. You okay. know, what I, I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, They're usually white with an orange stripe or whatever. Look okay. it up. Just Google it if you want to see what it looks like. They're, yeah. they're cool looking cars. 
total death traps. I mean, there's like, <laughs> I mean, you have the, you, you got the engine and, and your feet are, it's basically in front of everything. Yeah. I mean, you're just the gonna, crash structure is your legs. Yeah. There isn't one. Um, yeah. It's you. Um, so my co-driver, Joe Seifert crashed the car, Redmond says. So they work on it all night. And right from the start, the handling wasn't normal. You know, the steering wasn't normal. I got 22 miles around and the, at the 45 mile track and the, of the 45 mile track and the steering broke. Oh. <laughs> I hit a stone. Uh, I hit a stone kilometer post right in the fuel tank and it exploded. Oh. It was 45 minutes before any attention came. Redmond calls this his Joan of Arc moment as he and his car burn at the Targa Florio. Redmond calls this. Uh, he, he, sorry, I copy pasted that twice. I noticed. I mean, I heard somebody screaming, you know, after the accident. And it must have been me because there was nobody else there. It was a oh. difficult time. But what do you do? Oh. <laughs> so he's like 45 minutes. He's on fire. It's basically, I mean, I'm sure he rolled around the grass or something, but he looked like the mummy. You know, he's all wrapped up in bandages and everything like that. And you could completely understand if he didn't want to have a race again, but he did. Um, he stopped a couple of times, but it all, he always got called back by somebody that wanted him to race because he was just good. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to read part of the section that you missed over. Somehow he got out of this explosion and, quote, was burning from head to foot. I was soaked in fuel. And it was 45 minutes before any attention came. Yeah. I don't understand then. Well, How he it's survived. A, it's, I don't know either. I mean, he was all covered up. He, like I said, he looked like the mummy, head to toe. And when you look at him, you can't tell he was burned. It's not like uh, Nicky Lauda or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, while practicing for the Can-Am race at Mount Treblant in June of 77, Redmond suffered the worst accident of his career. Cresting a rise at 170 miles per hour, his Lola T332 caught air and flipped, landing mm. on his roll cage and bodywork. With no way to slow the car, Redwood was merely along for the ride, watching and listening as the roll cage and his helmet ground away on the racing surface. Oh. At the edge of the track, the car's wheels dug in and flipped the car upright, allowing medical personnel quick access to the badly injured driver. Redmond had stopped breathing by the time help arrived, but was quickly resuscitated by first responders. Though still alive, the accident took a heavy toll, leaving Redmond with a broken neck, shattered shoulder, cracked breastbone, and two broken ribs. It affected his eyesight as well, leaving the English driver with serious vision problems that would potentially end his racing career. But it didn't. He ended up racing until 1989. Wow. Um, he ended up racing with Dick Barber in 935, winning the 12 hours of Sebring like pretty shortly thereafter, after healing wow. up. So this dude has like... Like we talked about in other episodes, the guy's got balls. He's got courage. No kidding. Know? But it's cool to see like the like his quote about sweating the night before. Like he was still a man that was afraid of the mortality of what he was doing. Absolutely, that's I crazy. Just, I just thought it was well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you went through that because I was also curious who the heck this Brian Redman was that had his name on the event. Well deserving of the event it, name. It obviously. Just, yeah, certainly sounds like it. I would agree with that. So, um, you know who else is well-deserving of our appreciation, Chris? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. That would be Further Performance. Further Performance is uh, another sponsor of the show. They're a local Twin Cities-based automotive specialist. They love European cars. That's what they focus on. So you can bring your BMW. You can bring your, I don't know, what other European car would you bring them, Chris? Your Volkswagen? They've worked on minis. I mean, they, it's, it's basically anything. Yeah. You know, they, and they'll they, figure it out, which they is They do great. old air-cooled Volkswagen stuff. Um, and, you know, they really are enthusiasts about these cars, so that's how you know that they're going to care for them as if you would. They have the passion that goes along with that. So, I mean, whether you bring, like you said, something in for maintenance or you want to have a restoration on a vehicle or engine build, whatever the case, these guys are the ones to go to. You can find them at fptuned.com. That's F-P-T-U-N-E-D.com. All right. So what was your favorite car that you saw at the track? What was What kind of did it for you? <sighs> 
That's a honestly, I think what I liked most because I had just gotten the 911 and I was in the 911 mindset was at the concourse. Uh huh. A couple of the 911s that were just beautifully restored. The the gray one, the, the gray orange one. one, and the green one. Yep. Those all three of those were painted by the same guy. Yep. His name's David Trichel. Okay. It's the guy that paints all the cars for Flat Six here in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. I guarantee you those paint jobs were somewhere between sixty to a hundred thousand dollars just for the paint, just for the paint and body work. I guarantee it. How can you make a paint job six figures? Because it's all the body work too. So these cars are absolutely perfect. So they go on a select, yep. and they get all the metal work is done. Sometimes entire panels, body panels are replaced. If anything's fucked up, it gets fixed. Yeah. So these cars are like new, but even better. better. So, I mean, it's just finished to a higher standard. I mean, it's countless, countless, countless hours and sanding and wet sanding and welding. And there's no, there's no filler on these cars. Right. I mean, they are that straight. They're just perfectly straight. And if you look and you look at the paint jobs on these cars, which our listeners can't because they're not there with us, <laughs> but they are truly just immaculate. Um, immaculate. I would love to have trichel paint one of my cars i would just i know that he would look at my car and go dude (laughs) (laughs) not worth it's gonna be expensive yeah but no those cars were just beautiful yeah these cars all get shipped down to um i forget the name of the place Ah, i wish i could remember it they all get like acid dipped and coated and then shipped back up to him i mean that's this is a big process it reminded me of the quality a little bit of the singer cars to in a way i know singer is totally different because they reimagined the entire car and everything else but just kind of the the, the attention to detail. Yeah, they were the, the the body work detail and some of the finishing is really really good. Although I did look at that that gray one, okay. and I looked at the carburetor specifically to see if maybe my car was faster. Those are only forties, so I could. Those prob- are Webers. Yeah. yeah, I could take them. Really? It's only a four, Weber forty. That thing's probably only a three liter. Get out of here, <laughs> two seven something. So um, my favorite car was the AMX Javelin. Yes. Um. There and it, and you knew this car was coming from like. Do you, you know why? It's because it's loud as shit. It whistles. I didn't hear a whistle. I'm sitting there while we're waiting for the track tour, and these cars were out there running. And I was sitting next to a guy whose his dad actually was out in that heat in a Camaro. Okay. And so he, like, knew all the cars and everything else. Yeah. And so we hear the Javelin go by, and it has a distinct, like, you can hear it from the front. You know the Doppler effect where it's like... From the front, it's like... (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's... uh... It was just like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounded like it was breaking after it went by. <laughs> but um, anyways, there was something with the induction noise or something to that car. It was just, it was, it was they, wicked. They sound phenomenal. But what I really like about it is how aggressive they look with that front spoiler, that front duckbill. That comes just way says, out. says javelin on it. Yep. Um, so this this car in particular, I'm see, I'm, I thought it was real. But then I posted it on my Instagram, and a couple of people were like, hey, I saw this car at Canapa, and then I saw the picture of that, and the decal is slightly different, the number I six. that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if the car is actually real or not. But in the end, I don't give a shit. Who cares? Let's call it real so you can Let's tell call us it about real. it. Um, so this car won in 71 and 72, won the Trans Am series. Um, it was the AMC Penske factory team car, and it was the only AMC factory team car built for the 71 season. And it was driven by Mark Donahue. Oh, which wow. is which is kind of a legendary name in Porsche land. He's the one that drove the um, the blue nine seventeen thirty, the Penske Sunica one. Okay, at the Can Am races, he's the one that was doing the Can Am stuff, I believe, for Porsche. Um, and I think actually, did he? 
I don't remember if that's accurate or not. I might be wrong. Someone will probably correct me. But he, I think he's the one that drove and did the speed record at Daytona and the other 917.30. Oh, really? Back then, it had an average speed of like 223 miles. Nuts. Some some crazy number that I am probably wrong about. But Mark Donnie was cool. I mean, he was a he was a killer <laughs> dude, you know. And he, and he ended up dying in a in a in a crash just like the rest of them. But ouch. Um, anyway, I, I, I love this car. Yeah, they're super cool. We I just we posted a picture of it on the Instagram the other day on the Instagram. I was just gonna say the Good Instagrams. God, I'm like 80 years old. On <laughs> we posted on the Facebook. Yeah, sure. The YouTubes. The YouTubes. Um, anyway, I have a so. question from that story. How do yeah. you get to Porsche Land? Porsche Land. You're there, Jake. <laughs> I have arrived. Welcome. It's welcome. Like Narnia. Yeah. Welcome. I don't know how to transition from there. Um, so let's do. Uh, we got time for like. I think we can do how, some of this. How long news. have people been listening? Uh, Fifty minutes. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is usually where we cut it off, but I like this story uh, anyway, and uh, we'll we'll just do maybe this one, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, so, how long is the wait for a Tesla, anyways? Um, so this is uh, we're gonna find out like if you were to order a Tesla now, how long would it take? And we sure. kind of have like a little branch off the story at the end. Yes, which, we do. Which kind of is the point of getting there. Um, so even at the pace of five thousand cars a week, Tesla will produce about one hundred and fifteen thousand Model Threes through the end of the year, which represents twenty three full weeks of production. Now there's a four hundred thousand car backlog, which means that uh, at about at best, at best, you're gonna be waiting about a year and a half to get your Tesla Model 3, although you just got an email. I got an email from Tesla, because apparently I signed up for their newsletter, which I didn't realize I did. And it said... You probably uh, didn't. <laughs> I probably didn't, yeah. Uh, it said uh, you can order your Tesla today, and you'll have it in two to four months. Yeah, great. But uh, that doesn't seem reasonable, considering... The I didn't realize they still have a 400,000 back order. Yeah. That, well, backlog all of the orders. A year and a half is how long it's taking at minimum. And it could take more, depending on what you have in your car, what's what's been going on. Um, speaking of, uh, it, it's going to take even longer if Elon Musk keeps calling people pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> I think, don't you? Yeah, it probably will take longer for some reason. Um, speaking of that, Elon Musk on Wednesday walked back his baseless claim that a British diver involved in the cave rescue efforts in Thailand was a pedophile. An accusation made after the man criticized a submarine that Mr. Musk had said he built to help with the rescue. Mm -hmm. The cave driver, Vern Unsworth, who helped to rescue the 12 boys and their soccer coach, had told CNN last week that the miniature submarine built with rocket parts was a PR stunt <laughs> and that Mr. Musk could stick the submarine where it hurts. That drew an angry response from over the weekend from Mr. Musk, who called Mr. Underworth, Mr. Unsworth a pedo, a pedo guy in a series of angry tweets defending the vessel. Immediately, the stocks slid 3% wow. on pedo guy, which just makes you realize how much the Tesla value depends on Elon Musk. Yeah. It 100% does. That's crazy. Um, so uh, Elon says, quote, he apologized and said, my words were spoken in anger after Mr. Unsworth said several untruths and suggested I engage in a sexual act with a mini sub, which had been built as an act of an act of kindness and according to specifications from dive team leader. So basically, we live in the future right now. So this is, oh, God. Wow. Well. Chris, do you know where you don't have to wait a year and a half to get a car from? I don't know. From Luther Westside Volkswagen. That's right. So another sponsor of our show. They're the number one Volkswagen dealer in the country, and they have the largest selection of both Volkswagens, new and used, and used European cars of other varieties right here in the Twin Cities. Um, you can find them at westsidevw.com. We know how much Chris loves them as he 
is a patron of them for years and years and is basically spend a small fortune with them. Yep. So uh, that's testament enough. Go check those guys out if you're in the market for a car. So uh, in closing, I just uh, we don't really have too much time to get into this article, this uh, this news article too much. Okay. But I just want to recognize uh, Sergio Marchion, uh, who is the uh, the blunt sweater wearing hard charging CEO who never mints words. Basically, uh, fixed up Fiat and Chrysler. You know, Fiat was basically in turmoil, and so was Chrysler. And this guy yeah. basically came in, turned it all around. He was really a blunt guy, really strong, uh, strong anchor for these companies. And he actually, actually had a lot to do with uh, F1, with Ferrari as well, kind of pushing the the way that uh, Ferrari was going with Formula One. And, you know, it's it's kind of sad to see him go at, at 66. He was really young. Yeah, so that is. It's, uh, it, it's too bad. So rest in peace to Sergio. He, he really made a mark. On the automotive industry, great name too. Yeah, Sergio Marchand. It's really. <laughs> I mean, he had like uh, he had cancer in his shoulder, hmm. and basically just died from the surgery. From this, oh wow! I mean, it's just crazy. So yeah. uh, take every day as it comes, and you know, appreciate what you got, even if you're someone like Sergio, who's like a super strong, bold-headed man. You know, so thanks to him for fixing up Fiat Chrysler. Eh, I don't really care. I mean, you bought a minivan from him. It's sort of true. It's sort of true. <laughs> um, so it, it, he says, quote, this business, if you really want to do it well, is all-consuming, Marcion said in an interview with Bloomberg in June. I am tired. I want to do something else. Sadly, he never got the chance. Rest wow. in peace, Marcion. Yeah, that you kind of took it down a notch there at the end. That's all right. He deserves it. Yeah, he does. So I guess like you said with that, you got to make the most of every day and um, I don't know, just keep driving. Yeah, keep on driving. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, make sure you check out our midweek episode coming up in a few days. And uh, go uh, give us a review on iTunes. Five yes, stars with some for words. the Momo and steering wheel that you can win. Yeah, get entered for that Momo steering wheel. All right, guys, take care, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.